Welcome to the Can I Kick It podcast with your host Showtime and the dope chick East Rock. Now go ahead, enjoy your music. I know what you think. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the first episode of the Can I Kick It podcast. This is a podcast that's going to be hosted by myself, Showtime, and my favorite co-host, my only co-host, Ish Rock. Ish, what up? What's up? All right, so just to kind of give people an idea of who we are and what we do and what this podcast is about. I'm a radio personality. I've been in radio for over 15 years, and I'm a music lover, hip-hop head. I love dope music, and we are a married couple who have been knowing each other forever, and one of the things that bonds us and ties us together is our love for dope music and our love for hip hop, right? Definitely. Uh, my day job is not in music at all. It's in <laughs> finance, but right. definitely a hip hop lover, music lover. Uh, I make a mean playlist. Most of my Instagram followers. Auxcore DJ, you Aux real Cor nice DJ. with the Auxcore. Definitely. Um, I'm a lover of a tribe called Quest. I'm a crate digger. I'm just out here just being a dope chick. And you are a former D'Angelo stand too. Let's not forget that. I still go hard still for D'Angelo. All right, cool. Yeah, like, don't try to play D'Angelo. I wasn't. I'm just saying. I didn't know you were still, like, a stand. Like, I know you're a fan, but I know you were still, like... Oh, I don't stand... Uh, for anyone. Oh, okay. Only your husband. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fake. Whatever. So, all right. So, this podcast is basically going to be just us. Like, we're going to be kicking it and just talking about music, but also kicking it with celebrities, kicking it with um, industry insiders, kicking it with people who are in music. Just... Anybody who we think is dope and anybody who has something to say, we're going to kick it with them, which is why we call it the Can I Kick It podcast. Also, we'll be kicking around some really dope topics music-wise, so it won't always be uh, a celebrity. Right, Sometimes right, right. it'll just be some really dope conversation. Right, Discussions. Right. Definitely. Think real dope pieces. conversation, real dope discussions on music, on, you know, just things that we care about and things that we think are important and dope to the culture, right? We're doing it for the culture. We do it for the culture. That's what the kids say these days. So, let's talk talk about i guess today's topic is uh we, we named this episode sounds of blackness just because we thought that it would be dope to talk about how black hip-hop is right now well just the month of november period uh has just really given hip-hop heads reason to be thankful like this is the month of thanksgiving for us because there have just been some like you said unapologetically black releases that really lend themselves to the core of who we are as hip-hop fans right and i can't think of a time like when there's been within 30 days so much dope music put out in hip-hop like i'm trying to since like the 90s since like course. the 90s yeah <laughs> like you know of course you know they had month of the man back in the day when met the man and red man um dropped at the same time and then, you and know, Tribe like the and tribe Wu -Tang. Wu Tang dropped in the same month and all of that. But I'm talking about in recent recently history. I can't think of a time where we've had like at least three dope hip hop albums all drop in the same month with really dope content and just mind blowing. Like the month started out, I think, you know, with the election going on and just kind of, you know, me as a black man, like I was kind of down after the election. <laughs> As you know. a black man, as a black woman, as a black as a, family, <laughs> as a black family, <laughs> we all was down. <laughs> the dog was black sad. Black cats were sad. Yeah, like our dog didn't eat for two days after Donald Trump got elected. So it was just rough. So we went through the election, you know, disappointed by that. You know, election night, I was at the station. I watched the election around um, some of my coworkers at the radio station. And then just after that, it was just it just felt bad like everything just felt bad it was a lot of doom and gloom but then out of nowhere i don't know if it dropped after the election or i didn't listen to it until after the election but common just 
drops an amazing project. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just feel like for the whole month of November, and the month isn't even over yet, I've been on a musical high. And it definitely, hip-hop-wise, started with Common. The last few months, maybe not as much for you, but Solange really had me coasting on just a cloud of black girl magic. Oh, yeah. So Solange, actually, she kind of set the tone. Like, I forgot all about that. Solange really, like, she was before this month, but Solange really just put out one of the most phenomenal um, black girl albums. Um, Really, I mean, since Lemonade, and we can get into that in another episode, how (laughs) the Knowles sisters are... Yeah, maybe we'll just have an episode dedicated to the Knowles sisters. Right, that that definitely should come. But Solange really already had me in a really good place music-wise. I could not stop listening to A Seat at the Table. So once the election happened and those results weren't really uh what we were desiring in this mm-hmm. country um for myself and anyone really that i'm close to for us right for us fubu like solange said right um, or poc <laughs> but commons album uh really was a whole pleasant surprise for me because i had heard him talk about what he wanted to do with the album and that he really wanted to uplift black women and I thought that that was great, but I was also really uh, nervous about it and hoping that it wasn't going to be an entire album full of, you know, 12 tracks of the single Glory. Right. Which, don't get me wrong, I love Glory. That song actually, that song actually would make me tear up, mm-hmm. but it's a specific type of inspirational song. And I was hoping that it wouldn't be, you know, 12 songs of hey, he and John Legend doing the whole Glory thing. Right, right. And right. it really was not that. I was concerned about that and it was not that at all. It's a very natural, very soulful, you know, and uplifting. He's spitting, like he's, yeah, his bars are amazing. It's common. It's calm sense. Got to be the sure shot. So it, it it was a pleasant surprise for me because I was nervous that in attempting to specifically make an inspirational album mm-hmm. that it might come off that way, but he executed it perfectly. Well, it kind of surprised me too. Like, Common is one of my favorite MCs, but ever since the album he did with Pharrell, I'm always a little leery <laughs> when Common drops a new album. Like, the Pharrell album is probably, mm-hmm. it, not probably, it is my least favorite Common album ever. Is that I mean, it? There Ele- are Electric Circus? A couple of bangers on there No, that I love, but no. as a whole, I don't listen to that album. It sounds like they just took Planet Rock and sampled that joint over <laughs> like nine or ten Universal different songs. Universal Mind Control is I'm good. one of my favorite songs. Nah, I'm so good on that. I'm so good on Universal Mind Control. Yeah. I'm boom, so good. Boom, boom, nope. boom. Nah. So right. I'm always a little bit leery whenever a common <laughs> album drops just because I never know where he's gonna go. But when I heard this album, when I heard this um, Black America, and I heard him talking about it, and like you, I was kind of like, um, like I don't want to feel like I'm watching Selma on every song. Like I didn't, exactly. want, I didn't want that. But, I need you to keep it hip hop, right? So when I heard it, it was just like it was just really dope. It was, it was refreshing. refreshing. Yeah. Uh, see, same brain. It was refreshing. It was something that I thought was just it. We needed it. It was genuine. It was a genuine flow. Right. You know the subject matter is awesome and. 
it just flows really well yeah. the 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 tracks are are well well done the production and it sounds like common it doesn't sound like a reach i mean a common always sounds like himself but even on his last offering i appreciated the whole album but it wasn't uh on a nobody smiling that he did i think exclusively with no id that album i enjoyed but it wasn't a front to back just immerse myself in the album type of album it was a pick and choose okay well there's five or six really dope songs on here this album i can really listen to front to back and it it puts me in a specific place it puts me in a a good space and i'm so my question is this at what point do we have to consider common on the mount rushmore of hip-hop he's got at least one classic album like Water for Chocolate. B, B is, is a also very, a classic. B in my is also opinion. a classic. B is some people may argue it, but B is a classic. B so, is a no skips album. For right. Me. So he has two classic albums. This album, which I'm not going to say Black America again is a classic, but I will it's say so refreshing. It's a great. And then body too, work. do we have to consider classic for this time period right. and for the type of hip-hop that we love and listen to it's a classic for right now for right. me in in the grand scheme of things overall hip-hop from the beginning mm-hmm. maybe it's not on that level but it's a classic right now for me it's so needed i mean he's i mean he's got two classics like we just said he's got two classics and several other like great albums right so, so at, at some point you know we got to look at longevity like common is he almost had 20 years at this point so when do we say somebody's got to come down off of Mount Rushmore and be replaced by Common. Like, when do we say that? Right. I mean, definitely, Common, Common definitely deserves um, all the accolades and the, you know, being at the top of the totem pole of MCs that are especially still relevant mm-hmm. that have had that type of career and that have been able to transition into the film and TV world and make it back and still be relevant. Right. Can we replace LL Cool J on Mount Rushmore with Common? Let's just throw that out there. I don't see, but <laughs> you, can, you can't can we, can really... Can we replace LL Cool J with... And I'm not saying I, I want to, but LL I'm saying still... if I had to choose between anybody that's on but Mount that's, Rushmore... But that's the thing with these with these lineups with whether you want to call it Mount Rushmore your top, top five, five whatever alive, right. I really think you just have to put it in periods of time because that's almost disrespectful to act like LL didn't do the thing for such an incredible period of time like there aren't a lot of careers that spanned the time that Definitely LL's not. did and he laid the foundation for what Common is doing right basically. now basically but at some point we, <laughs> we have to look at I just can't subscribe to that unless we're looking at periods of time. Periods of time. Okay. All right. So you're not ready to pull anybody off your Mount Rushmore. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't heard Common's latest offering, uh, I suggest that you run to your streaming service or Or if for some reason you're still buying CDs. Some people are still buying CDs. I I do have my my friends that are looking for the air quotes hard copy. The hard copy of the CD. You know, (laughs) y'all. Y'all get down how you need to get down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but if you have Apple Music, if you have Title, we definitely suggest that you pick up Comments Black America again. There All right. was some wait, but there were some surprises on this album that really, um, really took it over the top for me. I did mm-hmm. not expect to hear Old Dirty's voice no. on a Common album, no, and definitely. the song Pyramids between Pyramids and Unfamiliar are my favorite. But I didn't expect to hear that, and it was executed well. It I mean, still I sounds like a call. It's still, but I could see Common. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. getting together with Stevie Wonder right. before him having actual old dirties right. ODB's voice 
right. sampled on his record. But it still sounds like a common song. It doesn't sound like a reach. It's perfect. I love Pyramids. And like you say, he's spitting. My favorite song is definitely, I could get used to it. I'm familiar. I'm familiar, yeah. That. And um, Black America, again. Those are my two favorite records on the Comet album. So yeah, pick up the Comet album. It's really dope if you haven't gotten it. Uh, if you have gotten it, let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know what your favorite song is. Um, so moving right along, Common dropped. And it's funny that, you know, Common would drop and then we get this album from Tribe Called Quest. Simply because, you know, at one point, Common, Most Def, Quali were going to be considered as the new Native, Native tongue, right? Mm-hmm. So, how crazy is that? Common will drop his album in the same month that Tribe dropped their album, which is a dope body of work. And you are the world's biggest Tribe fan, so I mean, yeah, I feel like for everyone, Tribe dropping a new album is so major. But for me, Tribe is my favorite group of all time. Not just hip hop. Um, They're your Beatles. Just of all time. Tribe is everything. Tribe is life. You're Rolling Stones. So, I mean, that's well documented. Uh, Any of my friends or anyone that knows me knows that. But that Tribe album dropping directly like immediately after the election mm-hmm. with like you said we were feeling a little off we just, out. yeah just totally bummed out and immersing myself in that album just made life more bearable for that week mm-hmm. what was it about the album that like changed your mood because like i said my mood was down but i noticed that your mood kind of shifted when tribe dropped so exactly what was it and you, you tweeted something or maybe it was instagram because you don't really tweet anymore but when you first heard fife say a line what was the line who wanted with the trinity gladiator Trini Gladiator. Right, like that made me cry because, um, I mean, just like most tribe lovers, Fife's death was so impactful, um, and just and just made us really sad because we lost not only a piece of a of a very important group in hip hop, but at the age that we are, you know, we grew up with Fife. We mm-hmm. grew up with the Tribe Called Quest. Um, and so just losing him was really major and that really made me sad when he passed. So right. it's also well documented that Fife really wanted another Tribe album, mm-hmm. another Tribe tour where they maybe couldn't agree on those things at that time. But I feel like it's it's important and it was we probably communicate to the fate of this union to the right <laughs> oh that's common common we, <laughs> right. I thought we were done I, I okay. just had to go back okay okay Good. okay Good. so I just think it was really um, probably important for the rest of the group to go ahead and make this album happen um, just to pay homage to Fife and to continue on the legacy that he worked so hard to lay all that groundwork for. Yeah, I mean, the Tribe is definitely one of the most important groups in hip-hop when you look at changing the, the soundscape and, you know, really implementing the jazz sound and just, you know, over time like that sound kind of, it just grew and it just became more mature and I think this album, it's not a Midnight Marauders. It's not a Low End Theory. It's not a People's Instinctive Travels. It's what I would think Tribe would sound like would now. sound like in right. 2016. Right, right. And a lot, of, a lot of artists have problems making that transition, like going from the 90s to right now. Some of them try to stick with that old sound. Some of them try to do trap music. Like, I don't want to hear Tribe um, featuring Lil Uzi Vert. Like, that's not what I want to hear. I'm not going to sign up for that right. under any circumstances. <laughs> right. right. I don't want to hear Tribe featuring Fetty Wap. Like, no. I want... That would actually hurt my feelings. Right. Like, I want Tribe. I want Dilla. I want all of those things to make something 
dope, like to make my ears feel good. And that's that's what they did. But I also thought they did a good job of kind of ushering in some of the uh, newer artists that make sense on the album. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Anderson Park on there. Right. They have Kendrick on there. Um, and those those features make sense. Right. And they sound right with the tribe sound. So it was them, you know, saying goodbye, I think, giving us a complete body of work that, in my opinion, was everything it should have been. Mm-hmm. But still kind of throwing a nod to some of the artists in hip hop that they feel like will continue with that 90s style hip hop. Yeah. And, you know, I think Q-Tip especially has a really great chemistry with Busta Rhymes. Oh, my God. Like Q-Tip and Busta, their chemistry is just impeccable. I think I tweeted about how uh, after like the newness of the album wore down and the excitement, um, I'm still excited about it. What am I talking about? But I also want to just discuss how Bus Bus a Bus sounds like he is in like top form. On yeah, this and, but you know, and I think the mixtape that he did with Q-Tip doesn't get enough credit. Like that mixtape him and Tip did a couple of years ago didn't get enough fanfare. Like I think that was a really dope project. The Dragon, um, the Abstract and the Dragon. Yes, I thought it was, but also it had a lot of um, like redone right. stuff that you had already heard on it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really refreshing for me. I, I appreciated it and I listened to it because I do love them together, but most of it wasn't new. But it was still a dope take. When yeah, it comes to definitely. Tape, I don't think that I gets still listen to enough it. Enough credit, right? The fact that they brought Consequence back, I thought that was good. That you know, even though him and Tip had, I think they had already like hashed out their differences, their beef, or whatever the case may be. Um, but it was good to bring him in and kind of like usher in that second generation of tribe, which a lot of people don't give enough credit to or don't really recognize with Consequence being the... But I think Consequence did that to himself. Maybe. I, you know, I don't really take anything away from Consequence as a rapper. He's, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, he can run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think sometimes the ridiculousness of him. Well, he just got ridiculous in the last couple of years. <laughs> like when he went on reality TV, like that's when he and got just jumped out the window. Yeah, 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 yeah. When Mona Scott got a hold of him, that's when he kind of. So to his credit, the fact that I could listen to him on this album and appreciate him mm-hmm. in spite of. Mm-hmm the ridiculousness that I now associate him with yeah. is a plus for him yeah. because I think he got in there and fit in like he was supposed to mm-hmm. and I didn't mind hearing hearing him at all. One thing that I think could have made the album better, Kanye and or Pharrell should have been on the album. I mean, Kanye is on the album, but you mean rhyming. Rhyming, yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah, I, um, I fully expected to hear Kanye actually right. rhyming on the album, but especially with recent events, who knows what state what of mind, state he, of mind was he was in How, What do you think Pharrell thinks about the album? You know, he's like the, Tribe's second biggest those, fan. Right. We would probably battle as yeah. Tribe's biggest fans. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a VA thing. I don't know. But I don't know. I would be interested to hear what Pharrell has to say about the album. I mean, I would just think musically he would have to appreciate it. So it's your point that he would he would be thinking, well, why wasn't I included? In no, this? no, 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 no. I don't think that. Oh. I don't think that. I think Because I think Pharrell's sound just isn't a Tribe sound. I think that he could probably do something that could work for them. But I don't necessarily associate them that way. Well, I think Pharrell is a fan first. Yeah. And I I think if asked and if he were in the position, I think he would create something that was specific to the tribe sound. I definitely have confidence that he could do that. Didn't Pharrell do like a, a, a tribe remix? album remix something some years ago did he i can't remember but i think i think pharrell like remixed some tribe songs and they put it out i'm not sure i have full faith that he could i'm just saying i don't automatically associate their sounds right 
All right, so Tribe's album, another dope album. Also, let's just talk about how Jerobi came out of nowhere. Oh, y'all waiting for me to say that. I was waiting for um, me to say that. <laughs> just knocked us all in the side of the head with the fact that, like, oh, not only does Jerobi rhyme, like, Jerobi gets busy. Right. So you're a, a much bigger Tribe connoisseur than I am. Is this the first time that we've actually heard Jerobi rhyme on a song? Yeah, I think it is it because is. I think that there was talk that he was a, that he was on songs on earlier albums, maybe on People's Instinctive Travels, but that they never actually right his verses never made it. So this is the first time. Like we've, we've actually heard, heard Jerobi rhyme, and who knew? Like, <laughs> who would have thought it? Jerobi came in and got busy, right? So that's dope. I mean, I just I think that's a great way to close the chapter. Yes. I think Fife's verse were on point, and sometimes why? Q-Tip's vibe was you know exactly what you would expect from Q-Tip. I think the production was great. Yeah, I mean it's just all around just a dope project. Like I have no complaints at all. I was wondering why Bob Power didn't mix the. You said album. that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like he would have, and I don't think I have enough of a technical ear to know the difference know um, exactly exactly how he would have enhanced it but I just know that there's a certain sound to things that right. that he did uh, mix I mean does he still mix records I don't know but overall I was so excited by this album you know I waited until it came out you remember that night I, I took me yeah. a little nap and then I got up at midnight so I can listen to it immediately I listened to it front to back twice before going to bed and then I just you know staggered into work the next day looking crazy <laughs> what time did you have to get off work the next one 6 6 a.m so and okay, i probably so finished listening to it at about 2 30 so the album came out at midnight mm-hmm. you woke up from your little nap mm-hmm. and you listened to the album which probably took about an hour or so right right then you listen to the album again right which probably took another hour or so i needed to you, like start to digest right it. so you probably went to bed at like three about like 2 33 o'clock mm-hmm. and you had to wake up at six yeah. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, I just fan. feel that my employer is lucky that I showed up. Because <laughs> normally it would be a holiday. Because in my mind, I was already going to take that day off. Right. But you know, bills. Uh, yeah, so, I know bills. Yep. I, I know them quite well. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it was just really exciting for me as a Tribe fan for it to be good right. and done well and what I expected and what I wanted. Um, I can't wait for my vinyl to get here. But, and you know, I think it speaks again. It's another blackity black album right which is the whole point of this uh, episode (laughs) we have to get to the fact that not only did they put together a really dope project not only did Jerobi come out and bust us in the head with his um, rhymes. Mm-hmm. Not only is it a, you know, kind of a native tongues fest when you add in bus, it's also a really blackity black, black ass album. Definitely. You know, they start off the first song and the first few tracks, and especially We the People that they did on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. That was one of the songs I was drawn to immediately. It's like it's like they just knew we needed to hear these type of messages directly after that election. And it really just talks about just the treatment of not only black people but just minorities in this country and where it's heading under current leadership Mm -hmm. um, they address those things and songs like The Killing Season I think I heard Q-Tip say on an interview that Jerobi kind of wrote that first and and set the direction and the tone for that song Um, it's just just a really black album it's probably the blackest tribe album I can recall blatantly right blatantly they've always had the undertones right 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 yeah but it's it's the most blatant here's this message in this song take this and digest it Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I can take that. So, great album by Tribe. And I think it's really dope that they debut at number one on the Billboard chart first week. I think it's dope that they were on Saturday Night Live, the same week that the album came out. And I think it's super dope that they're talking about doing a tour. You don't understand that I've been praying for a Tribe tour. Since? For the last two years. Right. For the last two years, I just got it in my head that I'm just going to pray on it. Like, they'll get back together. They'll do something. They'll do something one more time. Because I've seen Tribe in concert once. Um... I want to say maybe 98, 99-ish, mm-hmm. like Beats Rhymes Life. 1990-something. Beats Rhymes Life Tour mm-hmm. time. And it was incredible. So I can at least say that I've seen them in my life. But one more time. Yeah. I've never seen Tribe. Before I leave this earth. I've never seen Tribe perform live. I've seen Q-Tip. Have you seen Q-Tip perform? By himself, no. I have. Mm -mm. I have. I've seen Q-Tip perform. I've never seen a Tribe show live. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing, like I was telling somebody that a a friend of mine was saying, well, they can't go on a tour without Fife. And I said, well, you can have the crowd rap Fife's lyrics. You can can literally do it. the addition of because I know Droby would go out with them from time to time on mm-hmm. on um, shows before, but I think um, that bond that Fife and Droby seem to have, and then it's like a family. Right. So when they rhyme in his place, or even just when they just let the music play, I, I think it's just such a um, a family chemistry on stage for them. Right that it, it'll be fine. I think if Tribe goes on tour, I think you got to take Buster. Yeah, definitely. I think you got to take Buster, and I think it'll be an amazing show. Like, why not just do a Native Tongues tour? That would be awesome. It will, I mean, why not just, be, I mean, Daylight dropped an album this year. Yeah, that would be so dope. A why Native not Tongues just tour? do a Native Tongues tour? That would be dope. You think Queen Latifah will come out? Dana is busy. <laughs> She's a little tied up. Dana yeah. is, Dana is busy. Dana ain't coming back out for no black tour. Black people come out. Drez, Drez and Mr. Long, they'll come out. They'll, come, yeah, I don't see them. Yeah, they're not busy. Right. Not. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell that Drez story. No, nah, don't tell the Drez story. I'm not story. gonna do no, that. No, 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 no. One of these days on this podcast, I will tell <laughs> my Drez story, but not today. Okay. All right. So that's two blackity black albums. Now the third. Blackity black of all blackness, black girls rocking. I just whole album drenched with melanin. It's Rhapsody album. Let me let me preface this with just saying that like I'm that person that you know, before downloading music, I'm that person that would go to Best Buy every single Tuesday mm-hmm. to see what new music came out and just go ahead and purchase it immediately. Like, I'm the person that was at DJ's Records mm-hmm. in, was that Virginia Beach or Norfolk? It was in Norfolk. That's Norfolk. Yep. DJ's Records in Norfolk, like, at midnight buying Wu-Tang Forever. Like, I'm that person. Like, I want the music. Obviously, like I just said, I I stayed up and waited for the Tribe album to drop. I need to hear it immediately. And so Rhapsody dropped this EP in the middle of the day. Like, not even at midnight. Like, here here I go. In the middle of the day. Like, like... Like on some Beyonce. Oh, like yeah, let's just, just, just take this real quick. I'll be back. Here you go. And I was at work and I went to her website and the little countdown said like one minute left. And I was like, oh. So I slid my earbud into my ear mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> while you're at work. While right. I'm at work. You know, so professional. I, I got to do it for the culture. Right, right, right. <laughs> slid my earbud in my ear and listened to it immediately when it dropped. And a lot of times, even when great things come out, um, great releases, you know, know that they're good right away but then it takes you a while to kind of digest it and then like a week later you're like
like, oh, dang, she says such and such. Mm-hmm. But this Rhapsody EP, uh, Crown, immediately, like immediately, I was just blown away by the lyrical content, by the concepts on the album, by the messages in the album, and of course the production. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It hits everything. And it's right away. It's not like Sleepers, like, oh, later on I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, that was a dope line. Like, immediately you recognize how dope this project is. I'm a little bit different, like, because I don't, I don't rush to listen to new music anymore. Like, I just, I think I'm lazy. I think I've gotten a little bit. I think the streaming thing has made me a little bit lazy because I, don't, I know I can listen to it whenever I want to listen to it. So I wasn't in a rush <laughs> to listen to this album. I think it took me a good two or three days before I said, well, let me go ahead and give it my ear. Like, you have been talking about it. You have been raving over it, actually. I text you that day. Like, if you need a pick-me-up. Right, (laughs) right, 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 right. Because we were caught up in the election stuff, right. Mm So, and I was still down about the election. So I think I got in my car and no, I was in the house. I was in the house and I went to, I didn't go to her website. I went to a site that was streaming. I didn't go to Apple Music because it wasn't on Apple Music yet. So I went to a site that happened to be streaming it on my computer and um, I just played it. And like you said, it was just, it was amazing. First of all, you have obvious Ninth Wonder production. Right. You can always tell Ninth Wonder production right. is just so soulful. It's, it's perfect for her to rhyme over. Her message in the beginning about, you know, not leaving the house without your crown. You know, that as people, we're kind of all, we're royalty. Yeah. And sliding from that directly into Ninth Wonder B with her rhyming. They got me immediately. She starts off the album rhyming. I was like, is that a Beyonce sample? Mm. Like they started off with her on a Beyonce sample. Mm-hmm. Not only does she sample Beyonce, but also Solange on the same album. Right, right. Like you're doing big things when you can clear Solange and Beyonce sandals. Well, I mean, like she said, the boss's wife's sister. I'm here for the Stranger Things references. Oh, let's, let's, talk, about, let's, let's talk about that real quick. At like, least four. At least four. And there could be a few in there that I haven't right. even had a chance to um, to really get into yet. The but. Stranger Things references, to me, are like just dominating the album like when she talks about the will and me won't let go um and then she says something about my world being upside down yeah, in the upside down like oh up? gosh and then when she says um there's at least three born, or four she said i was born on two one so 11's all i know i'm uh, mm-hmm. i'm just like rap like come on like mm-hmm. this is just this is just crazy but yeah I, I, I think it's dope i think it's a super dope album it's a, a really dope project and i think you know the fact that she does have Ninth Wonder Beat. She does have knots. Crisis. She got Crisis on the boards with the heat. She got knots. She got the Soul Council, and it's just like the production just totally fits. And she's just hopping in pocket after pocket after pocket. Like when she goes, it's just like she really, really goes. So it's an excellent project. But again, at some point, based on this album, well, let me, well, let me backtrack. I'll say this: the Rhapsody album is the best project to be released this year for me like lyrically production wise I haven't heard anything better than this like I haven't heard anything that has captured my ear and made me want to listen to it are we just talking hip hop well that's all I listen to so (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much that's pretty much all I listen to some of us listen to music as a whole yeah that's fine but I'm only talking hip hop so yeah we'll say that it's definitely stellar like it's definitely every single thing Um, it's again unapologetically black yeah not just black girl magic but she is just speaking a magic that spirit of magic to all yeah just at this and then at this point 
I would put rap up against any MC. Like I, I think she could mm-hmm. smoke any MC. I mean, give me your, give me your Kendricks, give me your, your give me, give me your Coles, give me your, give me whoever you got. I'm gonna put them against Rhapsody, and I think she's gonna smoke their boots without a shadow of a doubt. Like put her on a record yeah. with anybody. I was just so impressed, thoroughly, put, from just front to back, everything. I wish, I wish it was more. I wish it was yeah. longer. Like I'm waiting for the full her, full, her yeah. full length. But as an EP for you to gift us this. <laughs> We'll take it. Um, I'm I'm thankful. We'll take it. We'll take it. And you know, I just think that for an MC to come out, and you know, when you when you listen to this album, you kind of you can hear her turn the corner from Beauty and the Beast to this. You know what I mean? It's it's amazing just to to watch the the progression that she's made because she's always been dope to me. Like she's always been a dope MC, but to see that maturity and to hear how her wordplay has just matured and how her ability to ride a beat and like when the beats switch up on the album like it's just I love that yeah 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 I love that it's like giving you two or three separate songs within a song that share the same concept like I really really like that right and you know all three of these albums they were important you know they, they are important to not just the culture but they're just important to the world with you know with the climate that we're in because we haven't had a time where we've seen so many relevant albums come out that are speaking to um the culture and what's going on in politics what's going on in flint michigan what happened with mike brown what happened with trayvon we don't really see that come out in mass quantities anymore it's more so you might get a dope song here that kind of speaks to what's going on or a dope record here but these are three albums albums, right that that drop that just you know again we haven't seen this in a long time which i was telling somebody the other day the other day that i thought it would be a while before we saw the shift in the music again you know because the shift always happens every 10 years or so where it you know either goes back to something that already was and you know you see you know ain't nothing new under the sun so everything that once was always happens again Mm -hmm. i didn't expect to see the the consciousness in hip-hop come back as early as it has you know to me this is like the years when we had brand new being we had poor righteous teachers when we had x clan we had krs1 you know i would compare this when you throw cole in the mix when you throw kendrick in the mix i mean because cole and kendrick are unapologetically black also so right, if right. 2017 comes and we get an album from them and these are all you're artists, gonna be set this right, is your this is your bliggity black starter kit right here right. if you didn't have anything in your downloads anything that you were listening to that was going to really empower you and and the thing that i really appreciate is that these are really important really black projects but not in a beat you over the head preachy kind of like i'm setting out to be this it's really just this is what it is right now and Mm -hmm. this is what it's important to talk about yeah like you don't have anybody necessarily saying for the red the black and the green sissy just living in a really critical right, time right. and it's like this is this is it this is what's yeah. happening this is what's happening in the streets this is what's happening in this country um and this is what we're talking about mm-hmm. so it's really um, genuine and it's really easy they're all easy listens they're all things that make you want to and another you know another thing that we have to talk about another um recurring theme 
between all three of these albums is not just the sounds of blackness or it's not just about being black but it's also album they also have songs about love yeah then that's another thing that i wanted to discuss as far as with rhapsody's um crown ep i really really appreciate great song concepts um not just talking about the same old same old you know i'm a bad b i can get this i can get that but like the concepts um are really really dope on her project and vulnerable Mm -hmm. um to a certain extent they're powerful she she's definitely powerful but she's also vulnerable she talks about wanting to make it wanting to make more money wanting to be able to to afford certain things but also wanting to be able to um kind of pay it forward to the next generation like Mm -hmm. be do more than i did be better than me yeah and then even just the vulnerability of like a a take take it slow mm-hmm. just talking about not just talking about I'm this incredible female you should be sweating me but just talking about like just the simple stated I just want to impress you mm-hmm. like which is what it is when you really like somebody right. I just want to impress you mm-hmm. um, and I think that's just vulnerable like you don't have to be a bad bitch mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you can embody different parts of that, but it's okay to be vulnerable too. Yeah. Um, and I just think her range is um, effortless and seamless, and it just it just all really flows. Yeah, like she can go, comic can go, tribe of course can go. Like it's just three dope projects that speak to you know who we are as adults in hip hop. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm grown. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We're adults in hip hop. We facing real life issues. We trying to, you know, do real life things and this provides the soundtrack for what we really want to do and where we want to be like when we're in like when we're adulting like because that's you know at this point that's what we're doing we are here adulting and these are the soundtracks to that so soundtracks to our lives at at, at some point so with that being said since we're talking about the sounds of blackness I think we have to talk about a DJ that we know and that we um, had a chance to speak to who also embodies a lot of the things that we talk about in the culture and you know the things that we talked about so far in in this episode Mm -hmm. but he does it not necessarily by the music that he makes but the music that he He plays plays. yeah so Rich Medina is somebody that we had an opportunity to talk to um, prior to the election and prior to these projects dropping but he kind of spoke to some of these same issues right it all fits so with so with rich medina having his jumping funk project which um really pays homage to the music of fela kute you can't really get um more sounds of blacknesses right (laughs) blacknesses blacknesses right you can't can't really get more than uh more black sounding than that right (laughs) you can't get more black sounding than that (laughs) all right with that being said let's kick it with rich medina for a little bit word like a lot of us Rich Medina's musical taste was structured by both his upbringing and environment. His New Jersey surroundings, the church, family, all made deposits into what would become his bank of rhythm, sound, and song. His brother-in-law was a DJ in his formative years, so young Rich grew up being exposed to that element. In the first part of our interview, Medina gets into his beginnings and how he was influenced early on. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of space. I mean, I... In, in a very simple sense, I don't know any better, you know. I grew up in a, in a Baptist church household, in a Baptist church family, and um, the way that we worship is through music, mm-hmm. so that's a particular chamber. Uh, I have a sister that's 18 years older than me, 
who was pretty hip in her day. Mm -hmm. And on top of her being pretty hip, her first husband was a roundaway VFW Elks Club DJ. So, you know, my super, super formative years, I'm dealing with my idol's husband walking out of our house with a suitcase full of seven-inch records mm. to go play for four hours at the VFW, mm. you know? So it really, everything kicked off from there for me. What what records were in that suitcase? I mean, The Whispers, And a Beat Goes On, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, Earth, Wind & Fire, Commodores, Fatback Band, Fog Hat, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, Janis Joplin. Mm -hmm. It was a different chamber of uh, uh, range mm -hmm. when it came to what somebody was dealing with in terms of playing records for a captive audience. Mm. So you mentioned uh, church, which of course for a lot of us is very influential in Absolutely. you know how we how we first come in contact with rhythm and and just all of that so I know that you said church as well as your sister's husband are there any other major influences places people or events that really influenced your music taste I mean I'm from I'm from central New Jersey I'm from a town called Lakewood in New Jersey it's roughly hour and change from Philadelphia, 45 minutes south of Manhattan. Uh, not a major city by any means, but also 10 minutes from Asbury Park. As a 70s kid, you got the Asbury Park Convention Center and the entire boardwalk culture and black performance culture mm -hmm. that was going on in New Jersey at the time. You know, the Isley Brothers from T-Neck. Mm -hmm. T-Neck Records is... A from Teaneck, New Jersey, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever. Right. You know, I felt, praise God, I was born right. into, Fell into it. this space. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's hard to make it sound like it's this it just was. process thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't really processed for me. I, I, I'm blessed. I just, it was handed to me. I had a cool sister <laughs> with a cool first husband right. and a family that was part of a cluster of families that are coming to New Jersey via the Pullman Porter business and mm -hmm. the Underground Railroad mm -hmm. and you know all of those histories fell on Meshed my together head and, and, and created your taste. Inherit, right. I inherited those dynamics. Mm -hmm. So when did you decide that you wanted to pursue music? That music was not just a hobby for you but it was something that you wanted to actually pursue you know it's, it's just another one of those things that's hard to quantify or put into this like well this happened and then I had this epiphany like it's not that mm -hmm. you know I, I was a church kid I was in church four days a week <laughs> every moment that wasn't about scripture or progressive thinking was musical mm -hmm. what, what songs were they singing in church you know, everything from We Shall Overcome to God's Hymn to each and every Pentecostal, mm -hmm. Baptist, mm -hmm. Church of God in Christ standard 
that we could that's a that's an entirely different interview <laughs> you know <laughs> right. dismiss it I'm <laughs> right. just saying like you right. know that's an interview in and it's of a, itself yeah. when we talk about the language and the dynamics of those songs and what they meant for our parents and our grandparents mm-hmm. and our aunties and our uncles mm-hmm. and great aunties and grand all of those chambers you know it's a big deal mm-hmm. it's a very important dy- dynamic to, to really respect enough not to go overboard with it in a soundbite, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But, you know, my influences are the exact same influences that have influenced the world. What happens to the melanated people of the world dictates how the world is going to move. Mm. I think the biggest problem with that is that we don't have any hand in that dictation. Mm-hmm. Well played. Is that, is that wrong? I'll pray that. <laughs> but you know, I mean, we've we've been. So wait, just, just tell, tell our listeners what just happened. Somebody just came and brought you a nice. Yes, my a nice favorite one. cousin <laughs> right. on the planet just walked into the interview space and snuck me a shot. Yes, of some a strong spirits. too. I smell it over here. Strong too. <laughs> some she loud. That I'm praying is rummy. <laughs> okay. Next, we get into Rich's education from high school to Ivy League at Cornell University and how his experiences and relationships while there led to an extraordinary career. We talk about the other career path that almost claimed him and whether he feels his artistry will influence the next generation. I grew up in the 70s, you know? That was a time period where children in the United States of America were taught to believe that if you do well educationally and you pursue your education beyond high school, Mm -hmm. you will put yourself in a position to be as successful as the most successful Americans Mm -hmm. that, in theory, you should be aspiring to mimic. Right. Fair? Correct. Fair. So, I came up in that space, you know? At the same time, you know, my mama didn't get out the ninth grade. Mm. So I'm sure it was very important for her. It was highly important for her, as it was for all of our parents, whether they're ninth grade educated, college educated, PhD, good job at making their point as parents or not. Like every parent's objective is for their child to have what they didn't have, figuratively speaking. Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah, you're you're spot on in your point. I was one of those kids that could walk into high school and burp on a paper and get an A. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't think I brought any higher level of any. Maybe I had a higher level of uh, ability to retain information. It just came naturally. Back out. I don't know. I didn't have no, mm-hmm. you know, exaggerated study habits or no doctrines that I rocked with in high school. Right. Whatever. The smarts of my mother's parents and my father's parents coming north on the Underground Railroad or the Pullman Porter Circuit and being of proper Native American descent as well provided me with a platform mm. to have an opportunity to get some points across right. in the school system that mm-hmm. they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Cool. We, I think you had that experience. You had that experience where even if your parents are higher educated than you, the way they dealt with your education was far higher level care than their education was dealt with. Mm -hmm. And 
I say that with respect to the care that was paid to black kids' education by black parents during a time where black kids and black people were fundamentally being denied the basic opportunity to attain the same level of education as their right. white counterparts. Uh, yeah, counterparts mm-hmm. or peers or age group. So what kind of music are they playing at Cornell at the time? Like, What's going on at the parties? Like, Paint the picture for me. When I'm at Cornell University between the years of 1988 and 1992, the, the, you know, just like you have your historically black colleges mm-hmm. and universities, you have your historically white mm-hmm. colleges and universities. A lot of Depeche Mode. The Ivy League. <laughs> what a lot of Depeche Mode. There's Stone Temple Pilots. There's Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. There's Led Zeppelin. There's classic rock. There's new urban pop music that makes white folks that are afraid of black people comfortable. There's the golden era of hip hop. Mm -hmm. There's the golden era of b-boy culture. There's the still valid, tangible fruition of hip hop as a culture being presented to the world in a somewhat innocent and naive manner before Mm -hmm. it was commercialized as it's become. So you have all of those dynamics. Mm -hmm. So FM radio programming was a different monster. Absolutely. But culturally speaking, you know, Cornell had one of the largest pop- black populations of any institution of their quote-unquote caliber for a very long window of time, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hypothetically, I don't have the exact math, but if there's 20,000 students on the campus, mm-hmm. you know, there's 3,500 blacks and Latinos. What was your major? As he sips his my major, <laughs> My major is in marketing and management. I went to the business school inside the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. Mm-hmm. And you it's, took that and went into the pharmaceutical field? I took that, and upon graduation, I played a season of semi-pro basketball mm-hmm. in the United States Basketball League. Mm-hmm. And post that season, I went into corporate America right. via... Procter & Gamble. I worked for Procter & Gamble for a year and change. I moved to Abbott Laboratories, mm-hmm. basically doing the same job, but in the pharmaceutical field. Right. And over the course of the next four years, and tripping across some prominent high school friends that shared high-level b-boy aspirations with me when we were children, and realizing that they were pursuing their musical desires, uh, particularly Michael Celestin, mm-hmm. uh, anybody at parties in Philadelphia or has been at any of the Tasty Treats parties in Philadelphia with Mike Nice and Questlove. I'm talking about Mike Nice. I grew up with Mike Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were DJing Sadie Hawkins dances together in mm-hmm. eighth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, back to your original questions, dealing with the craft of DJ and mm-hmm. I've been dealing with that from childhood mm-hmm. so basketball college corporate America was in hindsight it was an interruption mm-hmm. so was there a particular moment when you just made a decision or did you kind of just I think the decision was made for me off the rip I think when I when my basketball career ended the way it did and I ended up in Philadelphia with a real job, I knew that this job was a stopgap. You know, I knew that that job was something that I needed to do to make sure that I at least made the absolute most of 
the opportunities that were presented to me by the people that cared for me enough to enable me to exercise. I think we can all probably relate to that situation. Yeah, and and that's a big deal, what what you just said right there. You know, okay, cool, you're interviewing me. And in the moment, the light is in my face. (laughs) I think that the... The points, it's a common talking, the points that we're talking about yeah. here is space that a lot of us address. Absolutely. Am I going to do what I got to do? Do what I want to do. Or am I going to do what I want right. to do? Right, right. What's the monetary dialogue mm-hmm. between those two things? What's the energy expenditure dialogue? So what did your parents say when you started chasing that dream? Because a lot of folks, like you said. I chasing it, fam. Right, it just came to you. My... my I bought my 10th grade science teacher's gigantic 18-inch woofer monitors mm-hmm. from him as a sophomore in high school. He was the guy, Mr. Scott, mm-hmm. DJed our parties. Mm-hmm. Mr. Scott had the system, and then our guys, who were the ill dudes, the DJs around right. the way, got to play on Mr. Scott's system Mm -hmm. as a sophomore in high school Mm -hmm. I bought that Mm -hmm. I borrowed money from my mother Mm -hmm. I borrowed money from my uncles I borrowed money from dirty dudes in the street that (laughs) like me because they like the way I play basketball they like the way I dance Mm -hmm. and I bought those speakers and I bought those turntables there is no dream chasing Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I've been walking and talking that dream. It was who you are, so that's what you did. It's part of my mathematics. Mm It doesn't make me any deeper or more profound than anyone, but that's the real answer. There was no dream chase. I don't know any better. Being that you talked about some of your influences and, you know, your sister's first husband, what do you feel as far as being an influence for the next generation? What... What do I feel that my influence can be on them? Right. I have absolutely no idea. I don't believe that that's my place to say. And further, I say that to you as an artist who I would like to think is pretty well respected. But definitely, I am far from famous. I'm a blue-collar working-class artist who has been blessed with the opportunity of health, and the opportunity of opportunity. And I've learned over the years how to monetize what makes my heart beat fast to the degree that people who are famous and have way more money, way more prestige, way more mass appeal, for some strange reason, my name has fallen off their lips. Do you feel like the fact that you take such care with that craft will influence the next generation as far as actually hope. being keeping it a craft and not just only hope. a playlist. I can only hope. Right. You know, in due time, cursive writing is going to be a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Right. In due time, pottery is going to be a thing of the past. Because the craft in of due it is time, important. Fundamental, basic root level chemistry is going to be a thing of the past all of these things are going to become automated Mm -hmm. it's the nature of the way the world is moving or at least the nature of the way man is moving the world Mm -hmm. so as a craftsman yeah I can only pray to God that there's somebody paying enough attention to my game or the game of people 
who drink from the same pool that I drink from right. to keep to actually want to this there keep that going exactly you know there are still record pressing plants 99% of the world when you put a record in front of them you they don't know what it is they think it's a terrorist plot <laughs> whatever you know, we could do this for hours you know what I'm saying like right, right. keep it on it I can only hope to God that I leave leave enough de- debris in my wake that people are interested in you know what let me look at these wave patterns and go back through where these waves floated to mm-hmm. and break this math down when you walk into a beautiful wood hand built home you whether you speak it outwardly or show it outwardly mm-hmm. or not your, your respect for right. that craftsmanship is undeniable Absolutely. you can't deny it mm-hmm. the craftsmanship is so strong that you can't deny it so it's a very long way to say I can only hope to God that what I've done by the time they put me in the floor says you know what you know this is one of them dudes that you know he's a a craftsman Mm -hmm. exactly just that simple idea to be like you know I like this thing and this thing comes from a particular craft right who are the some of the curators and the gatekeepers of that craft Mm -hmm. I can only pray to God that when they put me on the floor my name rings bells in that space but I don't believe it's my space to say coming up we talk about what actually goes into crafting a rich Medina experience and the difference between that experience and that of what we'll call uh, a playlist DJ if you've never had the opportunity to actually attend an event where Rich Medina is cultivating the soundtrack take my word for it it is an experience you should definitely try to get there he also breaks down for us what it took to make the uber successful event jumping from Captain and how it was it's just such a real passion project for him. What goes into crafting a Rich Medina party set? Do you base it on, you know, a lot of DJs nowadays, and I'm sure this, this don't apply to you, but they might have preset sets that they play. They go in and say, for the first three hours, I'm going to play old school, then new school, then trap, then whatever. And they won't deviate from that. What goes into the Rich Medina set. There's a lot of things that go into it. And therein lies the craft mm-hmm. of it all. Um, for me, first and foremost, the question is, is it my event? Mm-hmm. And if it is, what is the theme of what we're doing? And how am I going to address that sonically? Mm-hmm. Uh, am I a guest? Is the place that I'm being brought to speaking to a particular theme or a particular style? Mm-hmm. Does my host have a particular reputation? Am I playing to that? Or are they asking me to come in here and kick the platform down and play whatever, whatever is on you want to play? Mind? Right. My tendency is to force my host to break down their theme to mm-hmm. me. So that it is not this aggrandized Rich Medina thing. Mm-hmm. It's more, oh, this is the so-and-so party. And at so-and-so party, we play such and such music. Right. 
And for all my such and such music fans, mm -hmm. we're bringing Rich Medina mm -hmm. to play. Such, such and such, such music. <laughs> now, if you like what I do right. as your man, mm -hmm. who you rock with all the time, right. you know how I feel about this dude. Mm -hmm. He's going to come here and touch down with that vocabulary and address us with his version of, of such what and such. such and such is right. or not. I try my best mm -hmm. to provoke my host to address me in that fashion. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, some of the beauty in my career mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. It's all these different relationships, all these different people and personalities, mm -hmm. demographics and age groups and all the dynamics we use to break down the things that we're traditionalized to compartmentalize things into. You know, to take it personally. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me, oh, you're Rich Medina. Come, come, just do you. Do that Rich Medina shit. <laughs> you know how wide that is, fam? Really, you gonna let me loose? Right. I might play some opera shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and flip your fucking room right. over to the degree that it's a negative for both of us. Right. <laughs> Don't don't send me onto the basketball court in a football uniform, fucking pads right. and cleats, <laughs> skating all over the place. I look crazy. Right, right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, absolutely. Give me the playbook, play fam. Yeah. And I've been able to build a, a unique reputation mm -hmm. due to that humility. Yeah. So whoever I'm rocking with. I don't give a fuck what your style is. Mm -hmm. Give me the playbook. How am I going to help this team win? Right, right. If I can't run the play. <laughs> Do you really have that much reverence for, for you, me? Right, right. That right. I can just come over here and stomp down the platform that you built simply because you're so excited about the Having fact that it's me? Yeah. That's a horrible business model. Yeah, yeah. With all due respect. Mm -hmm. Right? Give me the playbook. Right. I've been that guy mm -hmm. my entire career. You know, I think that that's a, 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 a piece of craftsmanship and mathematics itself. that I have, uh, I've embraced it. Mm -hmm. I've chosen to own that. And I think that there, again, back to this famous versus well-respected dialogue, I think that that's a lot of the reason why particular famous folk within the space that we as this community that we are I'm not in here doing you no favor mm -hmm. selling you no bill of goods right. I'm not saying nothing slick mm -hmm. to either one of y'all Right. you know what I'm saying yeah. you're within the community and the dynamics that I'm talking about mm -hmm. and that's why these this conversation is bubbling yeah. right. it's because we're it's, com it's communal Yeah. right I think that that humility as a protocol has put me in an extremely unique place. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very thankful for it. Can you tell us a little bit about how or what led you to start the Jumpin' Funk? Because it seems like it's, you've been able to take it several different places, really made it global. Where do you see that going in the future? Um, you know, Jumpin' Funk is a, is a very, very, very special thing for me and for anybody listening who's unaware Jumpin' Funk is my 
party that is basically a a dedication to the legacy of Fela Nikolaopoulos. When we started out, we started out in August, August twenty first, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. We started as an after work information dissemination program. Mm-hmm. Trevor Schumacher was working in conjunction with PPOW Gallery. Debbie Seeley was managing a guy called Gerald and Woomi and a close friend of Trevor's. Those two, Debbie and Trevor and myself, shared a mutual friend and a guy by the name of Brett Cook. Used to go by Brett Cook Disney with a Z. Now you know him as Brett Cook. And Disney. You, yeah. Right. And if you check him online, it'll really flip your wig. Right. And it'll, it'll tie a lot of dynamics together and make a lot sense of a lot of things yeah. for you. So Brett walks me into PPOW Gallery, mm-hmm. puts me in front of Debbie and Trevor, and he's like, Rich, this is Trevor Schumacher. Trevor Schumacher is about to do an exhibit called The Black President. The Black President exhibit is a Fela Kuti exhibit mm-hmm. because the original black, black president, president is Fela mm-hmm. Kuti. Trevor Schumacher, museum curator, is setting himself up to do a show mm-hmm. on that. And he's got Gary Akulemi, who did the first 20-something Fela album covers. He's got Dele Sosimi, who was a kid in the shrine as Fela was coming up alongside Femi, the older son. Yenny, uh, and big up to Femi, Shion, Yenny, the entire Kuti family, the entire Kuti estate, uh, Gariyaku Lemi, Dele Sosimi. I could go on and on and on. That's a, that's a rabbit hole of information. But this is happening August of 2001. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who the fuck Kuti is. <laughs> Wumi, Wumi Olaya, mm-hmm. is the niece of Victor Olaya, who, without me getting into some type of being a historian thing, was tied to a couple of venues where Fela was able to get his start prior to his creating the shrine. Mm-hmm. This is post his English music school experience. This is post him coming to Los Angeles and seeing James Brown and Black Power Experience Mm -hmm. and him and Tony Allen basically dialing into what we now know as the Afrobeat sound. Wumi is a direct descendant of that. Mm -hmm. And Debbie, who is friends with Trevor, is working out of the same space that Trevor is. And Brett brings all of us together with me being the dude who has had a reputation for playing Fela Kuti records mm-hmm. in a club mm-hmm. at peak time since 1992. Mm-hmm. Scaring people out of the club with that <laughs> shit. <laughs> you would think I pulled a AK-47 out right. from behind the DJ booth and was about to spray the room. But you were doing you. Playing such and such. Plans. Right. Plans. Yeah, such and such. such. It always goes back to such and such. It <laughs> well always said. goes back. Well said. Right. So, oh shit, you know, it's nine years. I've been trying my best to find the right dosage, mass, the right procedure, 
to make these people understand is that this is a piece of black history and black musical history mm -hmm. that if you just take a minute to get your head around it, you see how dynamic it is. Mm -hmm. James Brown talking shit in Georgia is a big deal. Obviously. Yeah. Fucking Godfather's soul. I'm not discounting it. Bob Marley in Spanish town saying the things that he was saying. Mm -hmm. Big, big, big deal. Big deal, right. Fela Kuti in Legos. Oil laden mm -hmm. dirt Legos. The most populated, financially provocative, creatively provocative city in all the African continents. Mm -hmm. Speaking out against the system. So Jump and Fuck was an opportunity for me to finally have a platform for this music that I have this high level of passion for with people who play completely different positions than mine who are just as passionate about who this man is yeah. and what he brings to the table. So it was, it was ill, you know? Like I'm the Cheshire cat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden. Yeah. You know, I'm the frowning dog for nine years. Yeah. Oh, they don't get it. They don't understand. Right, right, right. <laughs> and now you have every reason Bomb. to grin. Cheshire cat. <laughs> a bomb. Shit eating grin. Everybody's <laughs> like, why are you smiling like that? Right. I know some shit you don't know. Right. When you figure it out, you're going to know it too and you're going to believe me. Yeah. And then you're going to call your friends. Yeah. And they're going to come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the rest is history, you know. In time, we've had the opportunity to travel and party around the world. And, you know, Trevor went on to pursue an extremely credible curatorial career, which he's still in. Mm -hmm. um, Debbie went to England after 9-11 and ended up being detained and unable to re-enter the States. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Decided to stay in England and, to my understanding to date, is pursuing her dreams and desires in her own manner now. And mm -hmm. I'm still carrying the torch yeah. for Jumpin' Funk, and I still put their names out in the forefront of why it stands for something. I'm not here to try to make my aggrandize myself in, yeah. in any unnecessary manner. I think the karma and the rationale for why we came together was strong enough that it's very important that they're always acknowledged. And um, what a blessing. Finally, we talked that vinyl talk. Of course, we wanted to know about his record collection, any prize crate digging finds, and other fun facts regarding his records. Medina also tells us why he puts more trust in his vinyl collection than in the stock market. So let, let's talk about vinyl. Like, what's your collection looking like? How many how many records in the collection? It's chunky, beefy, meaty, man. It's real heavy. It's not lean at all. Ham hock, fat back. Yeah, we eat everything. We greedy. With the collection, you know, it's a collection. Is, is it all stored in one place? No. The records are my mom's, a couple storage spaces in the crib. Mm. And Choice Heavy. Street friends that hold on to a couple of little pockets and stuff. Mm -hmm. What would you say is your most prized piece of vinyl, if there is one? It's such a difficult question to answer because you, you have like these picking records. favorites with, uh, between yeah, your kids. Yeah, you know, you have these records that have, you know, Every person, every record, everything, every dynamic you come across has a superpower. Mm -hmm. You know, each of you, you know, this, the, the color of this paper, the, the weight of this piece of fruit, you know, the, the density of these batteries in my hand, you know, the, the, the 
whether or not this graphic is embossed or inside the paper. All those things, they bring these they have a value. different sensory right. uh, dynamics mm-hmm. to the table. So it's a very difficult question for me to answer. Uh, my, my, my favorite, my most cherished piece of vinyl. You know, I cherish so many records in my collection for so many diff- different reasons. Mm. It's, it's, I'm not trying to be evasive. <laughs> so it's just difficult. Impossible. It's difficult. What's I, 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 don't, I don't know if I'm old enough to let that point ring out and have it really like punch people in the face yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say something and catch a niche. I can say something and catch a particular type of digging producer cat, mm-hmm. or a, a dance kid that likes the way I play. I can I can catch any of those niches with any answer I might give but I think I need another and a few another more years decade on it. <laughs> before I could really just bomb you know just crack the world in the face <laughs> with a point you know yeah strangest place that you've ever found a record worth taking home mm. great question I walked into a consignment shop mm-hmm. I think it was 2009 I think my son was had just turned one years old his mom, something caught her eye when mm-hmm. we popped into the place, and I found five copies of Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick, you're gonna need me. Mm. On a seven inch. I can't find one copy of that. I have it. Do you? And it was, <laughs> you know, the records were twenty five cents a piece. Wow. Like a, a women's consignment shop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Happened to have some just having one day, just great. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I scored. That was a big score. Yeah, and it was strange, you know, because I Out was of just the blue, like, you weren't looking my, for it. Yeah, on my family, John, you know, chilling. right, right, right. Like, okay, ma, you want to check out some? Yeah, cool, whatever. I said, he's crazy, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, What's shit, this? They got records. <laughs> That's all it takes. It's a box in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock out. Take your time, baby. <laughs> Ten minutes in, five of them just stuck. You know, kind of stuck to each other, like they must have come in a, a bulk yeah. collection, or maybe from a jukebox dealer or something. It was five of them, and three of them were white labels, mm. and they were fifty cents a piece. Wow. So that's one, two, three, four, five, fifteen hundred. yeah. The come up is so real. I haven't sold any of them. Oh, wow. Still got them. Still have all of them. I didn't do the, like, sneaker reseller Right, right, right. Throw them on eBay for $800. Digging guys, soul rebel, blog spot shit. (laughs) It's just, that's on ice. They're just there. I come from poor people. Yeah. (laughs) I trust those records and other records in my record collection far more than I trust Wall Street right, or any right, investment right, banker right. or any financial plan. Absolutely. One more question just for fun. Favorite movie soundtrack? Wow. Favorite movie soundtrack. My favorite movie soundtrack. Can I get two? You can get two. I can get two. The Rich Redeem special. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. That's a great one. I think it represents a very snarky intelligent but shit talking avenue of black exploitation and aggressive emotional rock songwriting 
Um, That's a good one. I'm a fan of Tarantino, so I like that answer. Pulp Fiction and... One more. Man, so hard. Cross 110th Street. Mm. Good one. Bobby Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that was have a that big movie. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of cultural things, a lot of yeah. timing stuff where our parents were getting ready to have us, or we were already here. Already here, right? Yeah. You know, all that math is popping mm-hmm. off. All that shit is bubbling. Some of the stuff that manufactured us or manufactured the world that we were infantile in. And the cover is dope too. And the cover, the is cover is phenomenal. <laughs> you know, um, those two soundtracks in particular, for whatever reason, have always been very prominent for me. You know, records that I've listened to a ton, records that I've turned to times of. Happiness, times of sadness, times of whatever yeah. records that I've just gravitated to. Um, you know, those are a big deal. Big deal for me. I like those answers. And beyond that, I don't know if it would qualify as a soundtrack in the manner that you say, but Together Brothers, Barry White. Mm-hmm. We'll take that one as a. Conciliary, yeah. I don't know. We'll take that one. Is that even a word? That I, just make up some I think you just made up something. That's the brown made it up. The brown Conciliatory. Just such and such. Conciliatory. Yeah, such and such. Yeah, well, well played. Y'all are smart. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank we you appreciate so much it. For doing this. We Thank appreciate you for checking it. in with us, man. Thank you, guys. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, I can only hope to, to, to grow some legs in, in North Carolina. Shouts to Ninth Wonder. Shouts to the whole Justice League. Shouts to uh, Gravy Thomas. Shouts to um, DJ DR in Charlotte. Uh, each and everybody, Cognito, Jewel, uh, each and everybody down here that I've broken bread with in some way or another. Thank you for our relationship. And uh, here's to bigger and better things in North Carolina. Definitely. We'll look for you to come back. Awesome.